Let's wholesale real estate. We're gonna wholesale real estate. If you wanna wholesale real estate, then you are in the right place. You don't need no money, you don't need no credit. It's so simple that anyone can get it. Luke's gonna teach you just how to get started. All you have to do is learn and apply it. You are in the right place. You're gonna wholesale real estate. You're gonna wholesale real estate. So let's get started. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of School of Wholesaling. I am your host, Luke Madeus, 29-year-old real estate investor, and I am here with my friend Scott Crone. Guys, I've got to say this, Scott, Scott, I can't wait to introduce you to him. He is absolutely amazing. Just a few things to know about Scott, guys. He's the founder of Coda Management Group, also one-stop self-storage, Coda Design, and he's also built an author, and also Coda Opportunity Fund 1 and 2. Guys, he has so much going on. You guys have to tap into Scott. He has a Master's of Architecture from the Illinois Institute of Technology, and he also has a Bachelor of Arts in History from Kenyon College. Now, here's the thing that, that, that really gets me, guys. Scott, you know, this is someone that you should really listen to right now because he's been featured in NBC, Best Buy, The Land of Nod, House. Ace Hardware and Crate and Barrel. And the, the purpose that Scott and I, the reason Scott and I is getting on uh, this, this interview together is because he, uh, he's, he's a wealth of knowledge. What we're, what we're gonna be covering today is the four proven multi multifamily investing strategies and how to live a full life uh, and three expert tips to swear by. So I'll, I'm not gonna keep talking, Scott, you're here. I'm not gonna keep talking. I wanna introduce you to the group. And so um, welcome, Scott, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Luke, thanks for that great introduction. I, I think you might, might have to bring someone else in here to do this interview after that. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's quite an introduction. Thank you. Yes, yes. And, uh, and, and Scott, again, I just want to thank you. I, I think I could say this on behalf of everyone here that we truly appreciate you taking out your time, especially right before Thanksgiving. You know, I know you're getting ready uh, to, to spend that time with your family. And the fact that you're sharing that time with us, uh, you know, we're grateful for that. So I wanted to say thank you. My pleasure. And and, uh, and so let's start with your story, Scott. You've got a wonderful story. You're from, you're from Chicago, right? I am. I grew up here and uh, went away to college. And um, it was, you know, during my uh, senior year, during Parents Weekend, that I learned that our family was starting to begin the process of selling our, our family business. And it was a fourth generation. I mean, my, my grandfather came here when he was two, um, similar to your story. And uh, you know, helped develop this diecasting business from the ground up, and and uh, they had decided to sell the business. So that really transformed my world. It really you know wrecked my whole perception of what I was going to be doing. And uh, you know, I thought I was going to be the next in line to begin running the business after my parent, my uh, my father, and my uncle had moved on. And so that's when I began uh, really pursuing real estate and, and architecture again at that point in time. I had I'd done a little bit of it in high school. I went to a large high school, so I was able to do some classes in that. And uh, I began pursuing that, my master's. And I was fortunate enough to have a professor that was a real estate developer, an architect, and contractor. And so my master's thesis was a 400-unit, $100 million project. And so I got to work on that while in school. And while I was not in school, he made me work on it. <laughs> basically from seven in the morning until midnight for three years. And um, until I graduated, then I worked for him full time. But a little funny story there, as soon as I graduated, he mandated that everybody in the office had to work 80 hours a week 
I was like making a buck 25, but if I had stayed part-time, I would have been like making triple time. <laughs> so, you know, live and learn, live and learn. But, um, you know, it was an invaluable um, experience. And because of that, I was able to start my own company at 29. Um, again, it's very similar to your path, but, um, you know, it's, I've, I've seen a couple of recessions. I've seen about uh, four of them. And so uh, there's a lot to learn during that period of time. Let's, 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 let's just touch on that. Like, you know, you know, for the record, I was not expecting you to bring that up. But uh, since since, uh, since we could talk about it, um, what was your experience like going through a recession? I mean, you know, that, that's that is something that most people who get into real estate uh, that, that becomes, you know, they, they kind of question that part because of what happened back in 2008 or 2009. Um, with what you've experienced and what you've seen, uh, you know, what, what would you what would you say about that? I mean, how was your experience going through that? What would you, what would you tell the next person coming into real estate in, in regards to a recession? Well, it ties into the four, some of the four points. Um, you, you really got to be cognizant of what's going on in the marketplace, not just in real estate. Um, you know, the first one I was experiencing was when we had massive inflation during the early 90s, when, um, you know, we, that's when we were beginning this $100 million project. And lenders were actually coming to us and saying, hey, do you want to buy points for the mortgages on behalf of your buyers in order to get your condominiums to sell better? Because the mortgage was becoming more important than the actual product. And so that was some of the, one of the things I began doing early research and analysis on. Um, but then we had the, the bubble burst of the internet and that slowed things down. We had 9-11, which was a little bit of a bump there. But obviously the big run was, you know, it's almost a depression was 08, 09, which really just transformed the real estate landscape. And then most recently, you know, we've had uh, the pandemic, which technically wasn't a recession, um, you know, the government is certainly propping up the uh, the economy at this point in time in terms of the spending. Uh, but now we're beginning to see, you know, inflation, massive inflation again, which to me is the indicators that we're going to be hitting another recession. Um, so to answer your question, I think the first one is having flexibility, not being um, set in what you're doing, but being aware and not being overly confident. I think these are some of the major points. Um, during 08, 09, I began seeing it. And people are like, well, how did you see it? I'm like, well, the Fed was talking about it every day. So it's pretty hard not to ignore that this thing was coming. But the magnitude, no one understood the magnitude, just sort of like the pandemic. I think that's the biggest thing is that no one really knows on the front end how, how big or how vast these things are going to be. But you know, when the first bank went down, I was like, hmm, what does that really mean for the economy? But I mean, it, the ripple effect was tremendous and huge. But because of that, there was no lending in anything development. Every every lender who was lending was going into multifamily. And so it pushed everyone there. And then we start, start seeing massive cap compression. And we've still seen that since, you know, today. In fact, I sold my multifamily about three, four years ago. And I thought we were at the peak and I got out because I was moving all of our investments into self-storage. Um, you know, my whole background's been multifamily, but I saw the, the benefits of self-storage. And um, yeah, I began moving our portfolio over into that because I thought we were near the peak of the, the multifamily. And we, we still continued, you know, four, four plus years later. And so, you know, you can't predict it perfectly, but you got to have the flexibility and the awareness to move and, and, and to react to the economy as a trying to dictate the economy. Yes. Okay. Wow. That's that. That's that's a wonderful answer because, of course, uh, we none of us really know what the future is going to hold, right? Uh, and 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 so that's that's a really 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 uh, huge point. Now, let, let me ask you: uh, when it comes to when it comes to flexibility, of course, you know some some we have investors that do invest into multifamily. We have investors that may maybe into storage uh, that may be listening. 
Um, just, just in your opinion, was there any reason um, that you that that storage was was the next thing for you? Um, I know. Could you go ahead? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. The um, for me, you know, self storage is the the most basic concept of multifamily. You know, people are like, well, I, I get multifamily, but I don't get self storage. Well, it's it's apartments without toilets, right? It's you know, apartments without tenants. It's just a, a much more dumbed down basic version of an apartment building. So if I can design and build and manage an apartment building, I can certainly design and build a box, right? You know, so it's, um, but the difference, the key difference is it's, it's much more predictable. It's much more of a retail business and it's a lot more, um, you can model it out. And the predictability of it is incredible in terms of what's out there. So when we look at a market, we can tell if there's too much product in the marketplace. We can tell if there's too much competition or if there's not enough supply and there's unmet demand. When we were building multifamily, it was, or even single family, it was, it was the field of dreams approach. It was build it and see if they will come. You know, you, you, you would hope that they would come, but you could never really predict what it is. And within self-storage, the modeling is so much more predictable. It's unbelievable. Wow. I, that's, that's amazing. For for those for those people who are listening right now that may you know that want to get invested get started or start investing into multifamily, um, considering that it's it's, it's still a, 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 sounds like it's still a good engine right now. Um, what would you what would you say? Let's let's talk about those about those points uh, into uh, into uh, multifamily investing. Well, right now I think you got to be extremely careful that you're not overpaying um, because if, if you're at a you know let's just say a five or six cap you know where's the market going to go? You, you know, I only see the market going upward, and so you have to make sure that you're not overpaying for an asset. So that re- means really digging into the financials and making sure that you know your 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 assumptions on your purchase price are absolutely correct. Um, I mean, I, if you overpay right now, I think you're going to be um, really hurting. In the future, uh, the second of all is making sure your capital stack is correct. You know, making sure your your debt to income, your debt to equity ratios are very good. Um, you know, my my mentor always says, look at best case, worst case, and what most likely will happen. If you can tie up a ten year mortgage, um, you know, fixed rate for ten years, I think you'll you'll be good because the interest rates are so low. You'll be able to weather that storm as interest rates begin to creep. Um, but, you know, also looking at whether or not you have the ability to increase rents. Um, you know, I'd also massively be investigating uh, the local municipalities and which laws that they have in terms of if they are overly tenant friendly. I mean, I, I believe everybody should have rights. Everybody should have a home, but obviously everybody needs to pay for those things. Right. And right now our government is basically paying people to stay at home and not work. Um, which is putting tremendous pressure on people with multifamily in terms of rent abatement and um, you know freezing. In fact, when the city of Chicago teachers were here and talking about not going back for COVID, one of the things that they were trying to mandate was rent abatement was still going to stay in place. Okay. And it, I don't know how they could, you know, the teachers union could dictate dictate that across the board for the entire city of Chicago. But you know that puts a tremendous amount of people that still have to pay mortgages. You know, it ultimately comes back to the person who's got the mortgage. And if you, you know, let's say you're a tenant, right? And you're not paying your rent, then the the owner can't pay the mortgage. Well, guess what? You're going to be kicked out one way or another because, you know, someone's going to foreclose and someone's going to, you know, be cleaning the house and getting things right again. So, you know, it, it becomes a cyclical type factor. But, um, you know, I think that's very important right now to making sure 
that it's not too onerous in terms of evictions and getting the right people in there. I mean, I, they're the horror stories that we have in Chicago about, you know, people not paying and taking a year and a half to get people out. It's just, it's too much pressure on you. Wow. Wow. And, you know, this, this, I got a follow up question for you here because I, I'm in Florida. Um, and so I, I, I'm starting to see all over right now, multifamily units just popping up, uh, builders just building more and more and more and more and more here. Um, you know, just from, from, from the, from, from what you meant, from what you were saying about uh, rent abatement and uh, and also the moratorium and everything like that, do you, do you feel that that these investors uh, are are kind of are, are being a little bit too bold, or, or what do you feel about that uh, coming from a perspective of building more multifamily right now in in, in terms of what what's going on? Well, I think you have you can't look at it as a whole. I mean, you know, market specifically, um, you know. I think you have to look at each individual area to see what's really happening there. I mean, we're Illinois has lost 6% of its population for the last 10 years. So like if you take our second biggest city, take that city out of the state and move it, you know, someplace else, that's the, that's the repercussion of it. So would I be building multifamily here? No, my former company is, um, but you know, that's all they've done. That's all they've ever done. And so, um, you know, kudos to them. You know, I, I hope they do well. Um, in Florida, interestingly enough, I, you know, that's an interesting one because the population of Florida has not changed. It has the, a, a tremendous amount of migration to Florida, yeah. but the overall level of the population has not changed at all. So that means either people are dying or people are leaving. So I don't know which one it is. It could be both, yeah. but um, you know, that's an interesting one. But I mean, obviously, if you look at other states where you know, we study the population because self-storage is driven by demographics. And so a lot of our research, a lot of our details is specifically studying um, the population and what's happening with it and the medium income, all those sorts of factors, because that directly impacts not only what type of units we build, but also the configuration of those units. And so, um, you know, that's that's a major component. I don't think enough multifamily people really study and and guess overall what's going on in the marketplace. Um, they just say, well, they're getting this now. So what's happening? But obviously, if, if people are leaving California, if people are leaving Illinois, if people are leaving these other states, then I, that would be something I would be a little bit more cautious about, you know, making sure I'd understand what's happening in that immediate area, because there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of migration going on right now within within the country. And um, I think it's it's the, probably at one of the highest points of um, transition um, of the population that we've seen in, in history. Other than the great Western expansion where everybody was going West, let's take that out of the factor. <laughs> it's it's absolutely remarkable to even see this, uh, Scott, you know, what, what's happening right now, uh, all, all of the, I, I guess, uh, the aftermath of the pandemic and just the migration, this large migration that's happening. Uh, what, what we were expecting, just, you know, just a little bit of insight on, on what's going on here. Uh, what we were expecting to happen uh, when the pandemic hit was uh, was was our real estate market was going to start to regress, right? And instead, the complete opposite happened. Uh, our our real estate market started to inflate because um, so many people are migrating to Florida, uh, and you know, coming from 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 uh, you know wherever else they're, they're they're leaving from, they're coming here, and 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 also like you said. There's also people fleeing Florida too at the same time, right? So, so that's that's an interesting fact that uh, that uh, the population stayed stayed pretty pretty steady there. But but as a result of all this migration, so so is the market, right? Uh, the market's staying steady right along with it. And as a matter of fact, it's it's appreciating. It's, it appreciated quite. It, it, it's. 
mean, you, you, to give you some perspective, right? Uh, you could purchase a house for one hundred fifty thousand dollars just maybe nine months ago, and for one hundred fifty, and today that same house is going to sell in the market for two twenty five, and so it's just right. an incredible, incredible, incredible uh, inflation. Um, and so uh, let's let, let's talk more about about the multifamily investing uh, in, in in the four proven points. Uh, of how to do that. I, I know you mentioned the first thing, of course, is to ensure that uh, when you are, uh, you know, analyzing uh, a multifamily opportunity, that uh, you want to make sure that you buy it, uh, that you don't uh, buy uh, for more than you need to, right? And that you are also uh, taking taking into account uh, a few of the points of what's happening in the area. Is, is there anything else that we should know about, about doing this? Uh, just, you know, from the perspective of someone that has never done it? Well, I don't. I think that a lot of people. Um, let, let's equate this back to you know a mom and pop self storage facility. If you have a mom and pop, you know, multifamily owner, and the books are not the cleanest, the accounting is not the cleanest, the tax returns are not the cleanest, um, and we see that all the time. I mean, it's it's constantly. It's like, you know, well, we get this much in rent, and you know, these are generally our expenses. Okay, but. There's nothing to back it up. I mean, that's really you really have to dig into it. And if you if you're not have experience of what those expenses should be, then you really got to tap into someone who does because that's where you, you can't make assumptions in this marketplace. Um, you know, assumptions is the kiss of death right now. So it's it's absolutely important that you whittle it down. And the, the bottom line is, if the market is so hot, which in some markets like Florida it really is, um, then don't get into the bidding war. Because there's no there's no coming back from that. I mean, that's what was happening. That was one of the key indicators of um, before 0809 is that you know we were we were looking at properties to to tear down homes to build new ones, and it would be listed at a million dollars, and it would trade at one point two million dollars. Mm. Okay, and I, I'd go and make it. I'd go and make an offer at if it was listed at a million dollars. I'd make an offer at nine fifty. Okay. And when I, you know, our broker's like, oh, you got to get in this because the market's going up and up and up. I'm like, I'm pulling the shoot. You know, it does, it does not make economic sense for me to do this. It's too, it's too much risk because the multiple, if you look at it, it's like, it's not a $200,000 difference or $250,000 difference. You have to multiply that by three and a half. And so the magnitude of that becomes so much more significant. The same thing is if you overpay on the front end, the magnitude of that and the end value is so important. I mean, it, it, it crushes you in terms of that multiple. And that's the whole component of the cap rate, especially when you have cap compression. But, um, you know, if, it's, if the market starts going in the other way, then that market's going to really impact you. The second thing is, is making sure that you have the ability to withstand it. And these are, these are both the same thing. So ultimately, what I'm trying to get to is if there becomes a price war, are you going to be able to reflect your price and still keep your doors open? Mm-hmm. You know, so if you, if you have to drop rents, if, if, if expenses go up, and it's called a stress test, right? If you can stress the building and determine what is your, your margin between what you're currently occupying versus losing 20, 30%, are you still going to be able to cover your debt coverage? And so that looks at your capital stack, that looks at your expenses, that looks at your occupancy, that looks at your rental rates. It's really modeling out that whole performer to make sure that you have the ability to weather the storm because, you know, it's real estate. You will have a storm. And a lot of people like, let's take, for instance, Florida. Well, this past month, I was able to sell it for 225. I should be able to get that next month. 
I should be able to get that next year. I should be able to get that in three years, right? It should be even higher. And that's where that's where um, investors who have gotten burned, they're basing everything on speculation, but they're not basing anything on corrections. Mm. And that's when you begin overpaying is when you think that the speculation is going to outpace your, your predictions. And so that is that was that's why a lot of my competitors lost everything in 0809 is they were sitting on 10, 11, 20 properties. Yeah. When they'd overpaid for them. And then when the when the market collapsed and they couldn't build, they're sitting there paying and they couldn't, they didn't have any flexibility. They yeah. couldn't rent them, they couldn't sell them. And then, you know, that's why the bank went under. You know, we paid off every loan. We 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 didn't, you know, short the bank one bit during that period of time. And we sold all of our properties. And, and, and granted, I was sitting on a home that we sold for three and a half million dollars. Yeah. And so it, it was not a small portfolio that we were sitting on at that point in time. Wow. Wow. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm sure that was, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like that was, uh, uh, you know, just a, it could have been a challenge to go through. Um, I'm just I'm curious to know, because at that time, right, uh, what what happened was uh, there were a lot of bad loans that were being given. Right. And so with 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 what we see today, um, what do you think if, if do, do you think today that uh, as a result of the pandemic, things would have been differently? Or do, do, do you think that, uh, for instance, do you think that portfolio might have might have might have, uh, uh, you know, kept its value or I'm, I'm just trying to get a sense because of, from, from what you mentioned earlier. Right. Of course, uh, aside from uh, uh, aside from the idea of a recession, there's always things happening outside of even our industry, right, that is affecting our industry. And so uh, I'm just trying to get a sense and a clear, clear idea of, uh, of, 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 you know, just what would be different, I guess, today versus what happened in 2008, depending, of, depending upon, uh, you know, the actual circumstances. Well, two entirely different markets. So beginning back in, um, in Clinton, the Clinton administration, um, they began forcing banks to make loans that they didn't they, that they normally wouldn't do. So basically, they said, if you don't lend these, then we're gonna we're gonna cut back the Fed funding for you. So the banks were under this heavy pressure to fund these loans, which were doing like ten percent down, five percent down. I mean, I don't know if you watched The Big Short. If your audience hasn't watched it, I mean, it's a phenomenal movie. I took my daughter, who was like I think nineteen at the time, to it. She's like, I can't believe they were doing that. That was so I'm like, hey, we did that like five times. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> the banks were like throwing money. I mean, we were flipping homes every two years. Wow. We would, I would I'd buy a property. I would tear it down. I'd build a new one. I would do interest only. I mean, the last house I, I, I bought, I literally bought the property for $650. We tore it down. We built a new home for $400, $450. We sold it for $1.6 million. And I had $60,000 down. I mean, you think about that rate of return on $60,000. And all of my competitors were screaming at me because I sold the house for $1.6 or $1.65 million when I should, should have sold it for like $1.8. And I'm like, I'm out. I don't care. That was my goal. I wanted out. Right. And then like two months later, the market crashed. Um, But, you know, the point being is that they were, they were doing loans on top of loans and they had this truncation that was four or five levels deep that where they were packaging all these loans together. And the underlying premise of them was all based upon assumptions. So people were going in and just filling out credit apps, getting a loan for 90%, but then they get a second on it for 110, 105% of the actual valuation. 
And so it, it really comes down to the pressure of the appraisers. The appraisers were forcing it because they were saying, hey, that these houses are trading so fast and so high, similarly to your market in Florida, that they were over overvaluing them, putting too much debt on them. There was no equity. And then when the bank collapsed, they called all those loans. And that's why the big short happened because all, it was like this ripple effect that just pulled, it pulled the, the air out of the balloon. What we're experiencing today is entirely different. Instead of it being banked up by the banking system, our economy is being, you know, being blown up by the government spending, right? But we're also telling people don't go back to work. So we have a labor shortage right now, which is driving up price. We have a supply chain issue, which is driving up price. And so we're starting to see this massive inflation coming in, which is not, it's not stagflation at this point in time. It's just, it's inflation. But the only remaining lever that the federal government has is controlling the interest rate. So if, if the government begins, you know, and this is something really, I mean, we, we, we escaped a big, big thing the last week when the IRA investing was on the table for if you could not invest in real estate with your IRA. If that had happened, it would have dramatically altered the landscape because everybody would have had to pull all of their real estate assets out of their IRAs. Yeah. which would have created a huge spending, um, you know, cause a, a ripple effect. Everybody would have to sell off their multifamily, all their, their real estate. Yeah. And as a result of that, who would be the buyers? And so there wouldn't be enough buyers in the place and then we'd have the shortage, right? Yeah. And so that was a huge one. But if you attack 1031s, you attack capital gains, all these incentives for why it's important for investors to have for taking the risk of investing in real estate. If you take away those things, then it's going to put more pressure on the real estate economy. But then all the federal government has is the interest rates to play with. But if the interest rates begin creeping up because they have to keep up with inflation, that's going to put more pressure on the real estate market. So it's an entirely different type of um, pressure that we're under. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see in the next two years because I, I said this, and, and I'm not trying to make this a political conversation, but I said prior to the election, the only reason, if you look, if you look historically, and I, I, I was a history major, so I study, I study data, I study facts, I study trends. Beginning back after Carter, every every party was given at least eight years to fulfill their agenda, and then we switched. You know, the only difference was when we went from Reagan to Bush one, and we had we had sixteen years. Other than that. Every, every administration has gone back and forth. We've given one administration eight years, then we've switched to the other side, then we switched to the other side. So historically, Trump should have won. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying votes. I'm not saying ballots. I'm not saying any of those sorts of things. I'm just saying trends. I said the only reason why he won't, in my opinion, is if the economy tanks. And sure enough, there was enough pressure on the economy that we had a switch. I think we're under the same condition now. If the economy is bad, we could see the first single term presidents back to back that we've ever had. If you go back, we haven't had that. You know, everybody's been given a long latitude, but this could be interesting if we if we don't see the economy start to turn. I, I would I would predict a change in the White House in, in the next election, which that, that will be the tell point for me in terms of where the economy is going to go. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, you just you, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, to 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 even hear to even hear this and to you know just the knowledge that you that you're giving us right now because um, I mean that that's one thing that many people you know especially new investors right that just they're not considering that right they're not considering 
uh, the things that are happening around us, right? They're not considering the things that um, may happen politically, that may affect the economy, that may affect our industry. So having being able to 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 uh, to illustrate that, uh, I'm sure is going to help a lot of people be able to uh, be be more flexible. Uh, and so let's let's let, let's actually talk about uh, as well, you know, how to live a full life. You know, how how to not just uh, you know, of course, of course, of course, you're going to make a ton of money, right? Scott Crone is going to help you make a ton of money for yourself because the because multifamily investing, you can do that, right? There's also storage units, which uh, be, before, if you can remind me, Scott, before we end, I, I just want to ask you as well, you know, how, how would somebody get started with that? But, uh, but, but uh, you know, I want to make sure that, that we cover our talking points today. So, so let's talk about how to live a full life, right? Three tips experts swear by. Uh, what are those three tips that, that the experts swear by? And uh, how do we live a full life so that we ensure that, you know, we, you know when we do, uh, as, as we are building wealth and as we are making more money, uh, you know, that we are also enjoying life, right? Because money isn't everything, right? There's, there, there's also the, 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 the wholeness of ourselves. So you want to you go ahead and, and, and touch on that? Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I mean, and I don't want it to be all doom and gloom because I also think during recessionary markets is the best time to, to be building if you have the cash to do it. So that's, that's one thing. So there's lots of advantages to be taken during a recessionary market, which is, which is one of the things that we're doing setting up for our self-storage. Um, but going back to living a full life, I mean, the first thing is having that balance, right? You got to have that that full balance and looking at where you are in your life stage in terms of are, are you in a, in a in a growth period? Are you in a leadership period? Are you in a, in a sage period of your life? And, you know, for me, I'm beginning to, you know, my kids have grown. They're beginning to leave the house. And now it's more about the legacy and in creating more of, you know, impact on them. But the biggest thing that we've always tried to ex- ex- have our kids is experience life to its fullest. You know, and that doesn't mean always spending money, but it means taking advantage of the opportunities that you have and recognizing those things. So for me, one of the first things that I do every morning is I get up at 530 in the morning and, you know, we live three blocks from Lake Michigan and I go down and I'm either paddleboarding. I paddleboard nine months of the year um, out on the lake. But we're, we're seeing the sunrise. We're, we're taking that time to reflect on God's beauty and glory and, and seeing what the gift that he has given us every single day. We have, a, we have a new picture. We have a new landscaping. I mean, this morning was absolutely gorgeous. I can't tell you how beautiful it was at 530 as the sun was coming up and we had all these different colors. And you don't have to live by a lake. You could live in the mountains. You could live out in the country, even if you live in the city, there's still elements of seeing beauty all around you and, and st- taking a step back and reflecting upon that and not just having your nose to the grinder. Uh, you know, another thing is, is having that balance. You know, fortunately, I was able enough to start, maybe I was stupid enough to start my own company at 28, but it allowed me to flexibility. So I, I would work hard, but I would have the time where I, if I needed to do something with my kids, I could do that, right? I could, I could work, do my stuff with my kids, and then I could work later. I mean, people think that, oh, if you work for yourself, it's, it's easier. I would say it's harder. I mean, I pretty much, you know, if I'm, if I'm not actually working in, in my company um, seven days a week, I'm thinking about my company seven days a week. You know, I'm, I'm constantly thinking. And which brings me to the next point of really learning. And the reason why I say like, well, you know, why don't you have burnout? The difference is my brother-in-law was raised on a dairy farm. And when you're on a dairy farm, you have to milk the cows seven days a week, four days, you know, four times a day. And that is constantly working everything. But I'm, I'm taking the ability to step back and think about how, what to do with my company, how, 
to work on my company, not work in my company. A dairy farmer is working in the company every single day because if you stop milking those cows, you lose your production. Yeah. And my brother-in-law has this incredible work ethic, but he can't step back and just you know reflect upon what needs to be done because he's always in the grind, right? Always doing these sorts of things. And I'm, I'm not criticizing him. He's, he's an incredible, incredible work ethic is, is amazing. I, re, I highly respect him for that. But one of the things I'm doing is I'm, I'm taking a two-year program called the Transformation Center, where I'm pulling back and just looking entirely at my leadership, you know, studying leadership, how I approach it and what that can, what I can bring into the company. Because as we've grown and we've grown from this little local company here in Chicago to now we have products in Wisconsin, Illinois, Ohio, Virginia, Maine, we're working in Florida, we're, we just went under contract for a property in Michigan. We're expanding across the Midwest and, you know, from the Mississippi over to the East Coast. You know, if I hadn't taken the time to work on my company and reflect upon that, then that would hinder our growth, our ability to grow. At the same point in time, now I'm looking at more of my leadership because I'm more in that that older period of time as opposed to building up. You know, we've been building up and now I'm looking at how we can keep growing and expanding this. And if I'm not forward enough thinking, then our company, if our company's not growing and thinking about that, then our company's dying. It's like the seal motto. If you're not, if you're not growing, you're dying. And so that's one of the things I always look for to constantly be learning and growing. A hundred percent. And uh, that's, you know, just, I couldn't have said that w- w- any better than, than what you just said, because uh, it's very true. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure all of us, when we feel, uh, when we have those days, cause I'm sure everybody does have those days where, you know, we don't want to get out of bed, <laughs> right? <laughs> even, even us, I'm sure. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, it, but you feel it though, right? You feel it like if, if, you're, if you're anything like me, right? Um, if, I, if I'm in bed too long, you know, I get, I, I get like this, uh, I get uneasy, I get restless, right? I feel like I need to be doing something at all times. You know, I feel like I need to be being, being productive, right? I think that's just the entrepreneurial mind or, you know, whatever that is. But we, we feel like we constantly work, like you said, work, work, work. If it's not work, it's family. But, uh, but uh, you know, that, that energy that just, that keeps you getting up every single day that keeps you just ready to attack the day. You know, uh, it, when, when, when you're not experiencing some form of growth, whether that's from reading, whether that's just even personal development, whether that's exercise, right, whatever, whatever that looks like, um, you know, without it, we, we do really feel that even from a micro level. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just illustrating uh, uh, what you're saying here because it's very true. And uh, even with your business, right, a, a, a great mentor of mine says that, uh, the business is just through every business. Every business is a reflection of its leader, of its owner, right? Of its, of its, uh, of, of, of the leadership team. So essentially, uh, if, 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 you know, I'll take myself, for example, if, if I don't get educated, right, on, on the things that uh, the business is going to need, then my business will never grow. The business will only grow as much as I, as much as I do. And so that's, that's, that's an amazing point to point out because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, that, it seems like it's a little, it's a little thing, but I but I want to just let everybody know, especially everybody in the audience, guys. What Scott has mentioned is is, is going to literally uh, help you be able to grow tremendously because as long as you are growing on, on these points, uh, you're going to your business is going to reflect on that, and most importantly, uh, being able to step away from the business so you can actually have uh, uh, which another mentor of mine calls thinking time, 
<laughs> not, I don't know if you recognize that, but, uh, but uh, you know, having, having some thinking time is, is tremendously important because most of the time when, when, we, when we make uh, decisions that, <laughs> that, that don't serve us, it's because we, didn't, we had a lack of thought behind it. So that, that thinking time is so important. It, now, 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 Scott, would you, is, is there anything else uh, to, to speak on that point? Of, of just, you know, how to, how to live a full life. What else would you recommend? What are some other points uh, that, uh, if you have any, what, what are some other points that, you, that you'd want to talk about in, into living a full life? Well, one of the things that um, my roommate and I in college came up with is that we're going to do one new thing a year. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I've been blessed enough. I've been able to climb Kilimanjaro. I've been backpacking in Denali with grizzly bears and <laughs> dog sledding in Canada, but in playing hockey with Wayne Gretzky, but you know, it doesn't have to be major things. It could be, you know, new ways in which to challenge yourself. But if we get in these routines and these, and these habits of always constantly doing the same thing, um, then we get in these ruts and we don't even really realize it. And so, you know, that's the type of thing where I'm constantly looking to explore and push myself to be trying new things because Otherwise, life becomes stale and stagnant, right? And, and then you're dying again. And so um, it's not a, always about the greatest and next adventure. It, those things are fun. Um, but we've, we've passed that on to my kids. So like my daughter, you know, she was in college and she said, okay, I need to have a family call uh, with mom and dad, both when you're sitting down. And we're like, okay, what's happening? You know, <laughs> And um she goes, oh, there's this May master and I have a chance to go backpacking in the Himalayas. And, I've, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. She's like, hold on, but I have this whole presentation. And, you know, she's like, you always told us to like take opportunities of these, you know, advantage of these opportunities. And we're like, you had us at Himalayas, you know, go do it, you know, and, and, and granted money's a factor. Yes, money. But here's the logic. She's getting class credit for it. It's, it wasn't that significant of a cost because they were going with a group. They were doing research. It was being you know, underwritten by the school and stuff like that. But how many times in your life do you have to go to spend a month hiking around the Himalayas? Right. You know, yeah. I mean, like, go do it. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But a lot of times when we hit those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, we, we, we back away from them. You know, one, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me was when I left that company that was, I was working on $100 million projects and running $25 million projects when I was 27. I got an opportunity and I, I moved, I changed companies, okay? And my job was to come in and assess where this project was. And after a month of being there, I determined that instead of this project, 90 townhomes was going to make $3 million, it was going to lose half a million dollars. I mean, the partnership started dissolving immediately. I mean, desks, computers being pulled off desks, locked up, closed up. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I just left this top 20 company in the, in the country to come here. What do I do? Do I turn my tail and go back? Or, you know, what do I do in this marketplace? But it, it opened, that, was, that was a choice in the road, right? And I, at that point in time, I decided to say, hmm, maybe it's time for me to start my own company. And so I went to them and I said, you know what? You can't afford me to stay, but you can't afford me to leave. Yeah. What if I did this? I'll, I'll work the first half of the day for you. But then after that, I will just, you know, be working on my stuff. So that way your project won't be compromised. You'll be able to do it, but you, you will cut your payroll, cut your expenses. 
So that gave me the opportunity to still have some income coming in, but also to go and start my own company. And that's what we did. That's how I started it when I was 28 years old. And so, um, you know, but that was a fork. And a lot of people could have backed off. A lot of people could have turned tails. Um, I was just talking with um, a fellow investor and she's on her third flip. Um, I'm part of a real estate community, a group of people that are fantastic. And, um, you know, so I was, she asked a question about how to, how to process um, a contractor who, you know, was not showing up and completing the work and, and uh, took her money. And so she's like, I'm, I'm ready to quit this. I don't know if I ever want to do another one. And I said, well, that's your decision. You can look at it as two ways. You can look at it as I'm not going to do this anymore, or you can look at this as a learning experience and what am I going to improve from it? Yeah. Um, and we all have those, those forks in the roads. And I mean, I experienced it with, you know, I had a business partner um, that was not, you know, doing things financially appropriately within the company. And I could have looked at myself as a victim, or I could have said, hey, this is going to be a turning rope point in the road where we're going to start moving in the right direction. And I rebuilt the company from literally from ground up, you know, down to myself and we built it back up. And now, you know, that's the difference between where I was and where I am now is at that point in time, I was only in Chicago. And now we're, we are because of that, that fork in the road. So we all have those forks. We all have those choices. It's how you're going to approach those decisions. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. I absolutely love your mindset, man. And it's, you know, that it's the necessary mindset to have because uh, we're all going to be faced with challenges. Uh, there's, this is not an easy road by, by no means. I'm sure, I'm sure you'd agree that it probably what this hasn't been easy, but it, but it's been, it, it has been rewarding. And, and, you know, just, just, just to speak on, on the fork in the road, just to speak on what you what you mentioned earlier, which which is to take advantage of once in a lifetime opportunities. Uh, you know, I speak for myself when I say this, and uh, and and I and I hope you you know you could agree that uh, every time we are faced with that uh, that once in a lifetime opportunity that gets us to um, what's the word uh, that that gets us hesitant, right? That that you, you have that sense of hesitation, and you and, and in my experience, whenever I have those moments, and I and I go through those moments, and I say, you know, I'm gonna accept the challenge. I'm gonna do it anyway. Let's, you know, by by God's grace, God's gonna carry me through this moment. Who cares what it looks like on the other end? Let's just, I'm here for the ride, right? <laughs> I'm here for the roller coaster. And uh, and 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 every single time, I I I say yes to that. On the other end. I get 10 times, sometimes 100 times more back from as an ROI from the experience. And it's not always money, right? So I mean, when I say ROI, the ROI for me is, is just a lesson learned. Even, even for those moments, you know, I'm sure you'd, you'd, you'd agree, Scott. You know, it's, it's unfortunate to have, uh, to have a situation like that happen where, uh, you know, where, 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 where funds are being mistreated in your company. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge I'm, I'm sure you learned a huge, you know, that's that's a huge and, and important lesson that that is now a part of your, your, your you know, your foundation in your company. Like, you, you know how to handle that now. And so uh, and, and that's could be another thing for the next person that 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 may not know that that you could help now as well, because you, you've gone through that experience. And just uh, just uh, just an example of just how the, the ROI that we can get can serve us way beyond, uh, you know, what we expected when we when we originally started and uh, originally started before we went through the life experience that we went through, if that, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. And so it's, you know, I, I just, I love your mindset. Um, it, it's people like you that, that I love to talk to. I, 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 I love to connect with because, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's that, that mindset will take us through anything we experience in life. 
No matter no matter what happens, the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, right? The diagonals, the the, the, the whole roller coaster, right? The twists and turns. <laughs> like uh, you you you'll always know you'll get out on the other side with value. You know, you always get on the get get on the other side uh, with even a greater purpose as long as we as long as we view it that way, right? This is all perspective. So I absolutely love that. I, I got a question for you. How was it? How was it uh, playing hockey with Gretzky? I, I, I had to ask you. <laughs> Humbling. Not, o- not only did we have Gretzky at the camp, um, we had uh, four of the all-time leading goal scorers in the NHL. Uh, three out of the four, I should say. Three out of the four. And, um, you know, we, ha- we all had pros on our team. And, you know, then, then there was us, the amateurs. But, you know, I was a forward. And the puck pops out past the blue line. And I'm like, got the puck and I'm like, Oh, I got this breakaway. I saw nothing but ice. And then the owner of the Edmonton Oilers was in goal and I'm, you know, trying to come in and Russ Cardinal, who um, played 10 or 12 years in the NHL went by me. Like he was a Ferrari in second gear. And I was a Yugo and I was just like, oh, I just <laughs> turned my tail and went off. To the, okay. Next I'm done. <laughs> next. I mean, but when those guys really want to turn it up, I mean, you could tell the, the difference between a pro player and, you know, and, you know, the Western Michigan coach one time when my son was there, uh, you know, getting a tour of the school, they said, there's two types of leagues. There's the, the seven o'clock and the 12 o'clock or the 10 o'clock. The seven o'clock is the pros. The 10 o'clock is the men's league in Monday nights. <laughs> Which league are you going to be in? <laughs> <laughs> that's the difference right there. The seven or 10. That, that is awesome. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, uh, and, and, and my follow question to that is uh, what, what is that new thing for you? Uh, what, what, what do you believe is your, your next uh, once in a lifetime opportunity that, that you're going to seize? Well, I'm getting to marinate on that because, um, you know, this year we, we, we were able to do some fun things. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I do have in my bucket list is to, to step foot on all seven continents um, I don't know if I'll be able to accomplish that next year, um, but, you know, we, we knocked off Asia. It was, um, so I got that part in, um, you know, some of the seven summits are, are you know, are, are fun. I, you know, I have no ambition to doing all the seven summits, uh, Everest and, um, and uh, McKinley are, are too well, you know, th- those things are just way over the top. You know, that's not where I am. But, you know, I, I would like to see South America. I haven't been down there. I would like to do some things, but I, I do marinate on these things. It's not something that, you know, just becomes right at the top. It's it's more of like, huh, that's that sounds like it's a cool thing. And I want to begin working on that. Um, you know, it, it's been as, as simple as, you know, it, it sounds fantastic, but driving an Indy car. You know, that was one afternoon that, you know, I paid a couple hundred bucks for and I got to drive an Indy car on a closed track or, you know, a Ferrari on a, on a circuit track. You know, uh, those things are the types of things where you can, you know, it's, they're not huge, but you're like, it gives you a different perspective and it pushes your boundaries and, and things along those lines. Um, and so those have been some of the more of the fun things, but other things have been, you know, okay, we're going to start this whole new self-storage company. You know, that's what we did this past year. We we started it from ground up and scratched and we, we created it and now we're in four different states. And so um, you know, it's that's been a lot of work, but it's been fun. Awesome. Amazing, amazing. Uh I thank you so much, Scott. I, I again I truly appreciate you joining us on this show today. I hope everybody here has hopefully everybody's been taking notes, right? 
take notes. <laughs> if you haven't taken notes, go back, listen to it again. Repetition is a mother of skill and take some notes because, uh, you know, I, I, I pulled out, I, you can see my, you can see my notepad right here. I'm, I'm writing notes. Uh, uh, I've been writing notes the entire, the entire way through. Uh, just so, so many, so many pieces of value. So many, so many just very important points that, uh, that are just, just so helpful. And I want to just say thank you again for taking out your time uh, and just spending the time with us here on, on, uh, on, on the School of Wholesaling podcast. I truly appreciate you, Scott. And I'm sure that uh, I, I speak for the, for the audience when I say that they appreciate you as well. And uh, before, before we end this, though, before we end this, uh, really quick, uh, I got two questions. Do you offer, is, 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 there, is there any, <laughs> is, do you offer any mentorship uh, for, for getting into self-storage or, or getting into multifamily, or do you have a, a knowledge base or just content that you may share? And then the, the, the second question is, how do we get in contact with you? If we want to get in contact with you, how do we do so? Uh, I, I hope I have the VIP access myself, but <laughs> just, just you know, talk about that. How can everybody get in contact with you as well, Scott? Well, you, Luke, you already do have the VIP access. So um, I appreciate that, those questions. Um, I have done real estate coaching in the past. Um, I'm not actively as doing it as much. So it's more of, um, you know, I, I presented a situation to a young investor where, you know, I wanted to give back more. And so um, I told him that, you know, I recognize it's a commitment for both parties. And so if he was willing to make the commitment to me, then I was going to donate half of that to um, an inner city program that was helping at risk youth here in Chicago. And um, the guy chose not to do it, but that was, you know, that's something that, you know, my mentor does. And um, when we, when I compensate him and I do things for him um, because his time is valuable, but then he donates it to scholarships. And that was the arrangement that I wanted to establish with that as well. But if people want to reach out to us and learn more about, you know, either apartments or about self-storage. It's info at coda, C-O-D-A-M-G.com. That's info at codamg.com. And if, if someone referenced this show, um, Luke, we will, as a gift to your listeners, we will give them a free feasibility study that we've done on one of our past projects that not only explains why we chose that market, because it's a three-mile radius. When we look at a market, that's three miles. Um, but it, it talks about the self-storage industry as a whole, and we will give them um, that feasibility. It's like 175 pages, and uh, they can begin learning about self-storage. And if they have other questions or if they think they have a good site, um, we will do um, a demographic study for them to determine whether or not, to help them determine whether or not they should go into that marketplace. Beautiful. Thank, thank you so much, Scott. Uh, we truly appreciate it. And, and do you have, by any chance, do you, do you, can, can we find you online uh, through any social networks? Um, I, I'm on um, LinkedIn and um, I, the, the Facebook, I, I only use it for that community that I was talking about. Um, so that, that's pretty maxed out in terms of the followers there um, because there's over 30,000 of them and I got maxed out at 5,000. So, that, that, I, you know, that's limited, but LinkedIn is the best one, but our web pages are um, coda, C-O-D-A-M-G.com. You can find out information about us there or onestopselfstorage.com is our other one. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again so much, Scott. It's been such a pleasure uh, having this interview with you today. Uh, I've learned so much. And uh, most importantly, uh, I, I got the amazing opportunity to speak with the one and only Scott Crone. All right? You're a legend. And, uh, and, and I'm glad that we've been able to record this uh, this 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 entire interview and share it in, uh, with everybody else. And so thank you again, Scott. 
and uh, we'll be in, we'll be in contact. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay connected. We're gonna stay connected. All right, we're, we're gonna utilize that VIP access. <laughs> Very good. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Let's wholesale real estate. We're gonna wholesale real estate. If you wanna wholesale real estate, then you are in the right place. Thank you for listening to School of Wholesale with your host, Luke Madez. If you want more information, subscribe to this podcast as well as follow on Instagram at Luke Madeus. L-U-C-M-A-D-E-U-S. And if you have any questions, send me an email at flippinglegendary at gmail.com. That is flippinglegendary at gmail.com. Let's wholesale real estate. We're going to wholesale real estate.